What day is St. Swithin's Day? Louise, you told me earlier in the week, is it the 14th or the 15th of July? You said, I think you said it was Saturday, did you? The 15th of July was St. Swithin's. I think it's the 15th. I'll look it up. Yeah, I know. We, we'll just, I think I'm nearly sure you said to me that St. Swithin's Day we're in trouble. Swithin's Day is Saturday. Well, I can tell you we're in trouble tomorrow too. And Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and next Wednesday. It's Saturday. Yeah, just, lo- just looking at Audrey McGrath with the weather there in RTE and there's rain on the chart every day till next Wednesday. But today, that's a shocking day out there today. Oh, oh mother of God. It'd just uh, absolutely get you down if you'd let it get you down. But anyway, so They're that's Ireland. to everybody on the roads. Yes. And if you're at home... Stick on the radio and yeah, listen to and us. Stay with us. Put on the kettle there. Have a cup of coffee. Stick butter in there if you like butter in your coffee. <laughs> you don't. Things I do for the you. Things she does is right. Anyway, it's just brutal out there today. It really, really is. And, uh, you know, we were crying six weeks of lovely weather and everyone was, oh, we need a drop of rain. Well, we're going to get now. St. Swithin's is tomorrow. Louise will check that. It's the 15th, I'm sure. I checked it. Uh, is yeah, it is the 15th. And if it rains on St. Swithin's Day, they say it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights, which takes us nicely up to the end of August. And then when the children go back to school, we get the Indian summer. Isn't that it? Is that the way it should work? Well, that's the way they say it works anyway. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Well, it's terrible in Ireland today. It's wet. I even had to put the jumper on today and it's not looking good the next few days. But it's a different story altogether in the southern parts of Europe. You're talking about Italy, uh, Spain, Greece and one lady who's in Spain. And you know her well of this uh, parish. Joan Larkin is in Spain near Alicante and I'm hoping she's on the line to join me and she's in a lather of sweat, I'd say. Hi, Joan. Hola, Jerry. How are you? Welcome to Cerberus. Welcome to the heat. Oh my God, <laughs> Joan. What's the? Oh what is God. it there? Give us the temperature. What's your? What's your temperature? Will uh, it go over forty today? Will it? Uh, no, not today, Jerry. But it's at uh, the moment now. It's half past two here. It's thirty-one degrees, but oh. there's um, sun index of ten, so very, very dangerous burning index out there today. Mm. And there's no wind. Wow, T- over thirty-one. I know. Yeah. Uh, in the in the spell we had here for six weeks, it was in the mid twenties, and we were struggling with it. So thirty-one today, but it has peaked at forty, hasn't it? Oh, it has. And here where I live, I'm about, say, 30 minutes drive uh, south of Alicante Airport. And it was registering in the village um, the other day at 46 degrees. That was on Tuesday. Um, 44 degrees. And now it's down to 31 today. But at nighttime, Jerry, the thing is, it doesn't drop below 28 degrees, usually at nighttime. Even the other morning, I was up at six to walk the dogs and it was registering 31 at 6 a.m. So, I mean, there's not much respite from it, even at nighttime. Wow, that is some temperatures. It really is. Sure, it must feel like a cool day today when it's back to 31 <laughs> degrees for you. <laughs> yeah, 31 isn't bad at all. I was even sitting outside for a while. But, you know, I think it's bad enough in, where I am on the southeast, but it's it's a lot worse as you go inland. If you head towards, we'll say, the Portuguese border, mm. um, actually the area around, um, if you know that area, there's a, a, t- a place called, a region called Extremadura, and it was 60 degrees in the soil. Now, not the air temperature, but the soil, the actual heat in the ground they measured the other day was 60 degrees. Incredible. Now, Joan, it's extraordinary. And I don't know how any creature would live in the soil at those temperatures. But, Joan, here's the thing. Joan, honestly, we'd swap with you today. I'm crying here. Oh, Joan, Joan, it's desperate. Honest to God. 
<laughs> I've, I've come up with a new strap line come to Ireland and enjoy the rain and cool we'll be selling the country based on this next anyway it is it's a poor one here today but on a serious note Joan those temperatures are, are really frightening and at night time 28 degrees do you get do you get sleep or do you sleep little with that heat Oh, no. Well, once you have the air conditioning on, you yeah. have to have air conditioning on. Um, right. And my air con is set to about 22 degrees overnight and I sleep very well. Um, yeah, there's no problem with it. But I mean, the, the authorities over here are, are warning, um, especially tourists now, because, you know, when the tourists come over and you're on your holidays, you've looked forward to it all year and you tend to just go out and, you know, stay out in the sun and then go for a few jars and, and you know, you stay out too long in it. And the authorities here are quite worried about people and they're saying, look, you know, I know you're here to enjoy yourselves, but please take it easy. Drink an awful lot of water. Stay in between, say, 12 o'clock and four o'clock. And kind of like I'm living here now a year and a half. And um, last year I found it really tough. But this year I've kind of acclimatized and um, I'm kind of I've copped on, if you like, Jerry. I, mm. I do know what the locals do. The shutters go down. Yes, the house is kind of dark inside, but the shutters go down. The um the alcohol is out of bounds. I drink loads of water and I just stay in out of it between twelve and four. Mm. It's you know got to do that. Well, there you are. Mad dogs, not an Irish woman in Joan's case, <laughs> staying out in the midday sun for sure. But look, at it is the truth, Joan. You look at the locals and you follow what they do because they've been coping with this for years. Oh, they have. In fact, I was I was down in my, my little village. I live in a little Spanish village and I was down in the village the other day and I wouldn't normally be out, but I had to go to the town hall and <laughs> the dread of putting on decent clothing <laughs> to go out and go to the town hall. But it's literally just a five minute walk. And uh, there was a, um, an elderly lady standing at her doorway just with a fan in her hand, fanning herself. And she just looked at me and she was like, oh, and we got low. And I was saying, oh, my God, even the locals are saying it's really, really hot, you know. Mm. So, but yeah, you've got to you've got to just be sensible about it, you know. And I know it's your holidays, and you're you're dying to come over and have 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 a brilliant time, and you can do, but you just have to just just be careful, especially with small children and and elderly people. Yeah, you know, it's it's so dangerous. You it mentioned uh, dying to go on holidays. Dying is a, is a factor in in these extreme heats. Deaths uh, mm. have become more common, haven't they, because of this? Oh, they have. Yeah. I mean, we, we heard that this this week, only on Tuesday, I think a, a young Italian man, only 44, he collapsed in the heat. He was out working on the roads. He was painting, a, I think, a zebra crossing or something. And um, he collapsed in the heat and he passed away and he's only 44. But yeah. I know that last year in Spain, there were over 11,000 deaths attributed to the heat wow. last year here. 11,000 people who passed away because of the extreme temperatures. My, well, my, oh, my. That's it's a, very, very dangerous. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a huge number of people. So if you, if I said to you, Joan, I should just go out and jump in the swimming pool, you'll cool down. No? You won't. That's the thing. <laughs> I was in the pool with my friend Anne the other night and she got in and said, oh, my God, it's like being in a bath. <laughs> and it was. It was actually as warm as a bath. There was actually no relief, you know, except for it was lovely to be in the pool, of course. Mm. But it was actually warm. The water was warm. And mm. it's quite a big pool and quite a deep pool. And the water was still very, very warm. But I mean, I, I'm not complaining. You, I'm really not complaining. I know it's lashing rain at home and, and there's a lot to be said for, for both. For both, sometimes I long to be sitting inside looking at the rain pounding on the windows outside. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I really do. You know, you always, you kind of always be careful what you wish for. That's kind of what yes. I'd say. Yes, there is something there. So aircon an absolute must. You couldn't survive without it, could you? 
No, no, you couldn't. I had um, an old aircon system when I bought this house last year and we had it replaced there in May. And oh, my God, it's life changing. I never realised how bad the old system was. It had been in the house was built in 2004 and the aircon was in that long. So we got a new system put in there a couple of months ago. And oh, my God, it, the difference it's made is unbelievable. Mm. Unbelievable. It's life changing, you know. Well, that's good that you have it. And, and it's a lifesaver. What about your four legged friends? We know you love uh, your dogs. How are they coping? Um, <laughs> it was a bit of a shock to them, I think, because we went home to Ireland um, in March and we stayed in Ireland until June. We just came back here in June and I stayed with my dad down in County Galway. And of course, they had great freedom down there in the garden and a lot of time outdoors. And now they're back here and they're kind of walked early in the morning or I can drag them into the pool kicking and yelping. Um, they still don't like it, but they have to do it. And um and then they're indoors, really, Jerry. You have to be very careful. As they say here, no dog ever died for the want of a walk, you know, mm. but he could literally die if you bring him out in that heat. So they just lie in until the sun goes down and then we go for another short walk. But the walks are much shorter during the summer. Mm. They're you, not able for it. They're too small dogs. Yes, and, and that is true. That holds right across even here when we have hot spells and that they can take it easy for a while. They won't miss the walk, as, as you said. But uh, yeah, what a change from Ireland in the, the, the late spring, early summer to where, to where you are now. Um, you mentioned to me at the start there that, you know, that heat and, and no wind whatsoever. You're a little distance from the coast. Do, do you ever get the, the, the breeze that, you know, helps with the temperature? Is, or is it more a factor that you don't get much wind or breeze? Um, sometimes we do. We're about 10 minutes drive from the coastal resort of uh, Guadamar del Segura. Um, it's a gorgeous beach resort. So we're about 10 minutes drive inland from there, but we're quite close to the mountains as well. So sometimes we do get lovely mountain breezes coming down, but we're close to the salt lakes as well in Torrieca. So um, there's a beautiful site, Jerry. actually, you'd love it. At night time here in this village and probably other villages too, but I just know from my own place, around half nine, ten o'clock when it's just kind of getting dark, a flock of flamingos flies over this village uh-huh. every single night. It's the most amazing sight, Jerry. Beautiful. Flamingos are very big birds and they're big, long, dangly legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're so funny to look at in flight. Yes. But it's a beautiful sight. But um, I mean, you do get the breeze and you can go down to the coast if you want to. But, um, you know, there isn't that much respite mm. down there. Plus, you'll probably get burned because you will feel it's a little bit cooler when actually you're probably getting burned badly yes. being on the coast, you know. Yes. So uh, the uh, sunblock, vitally important too. What about, you know, uh, eating and drinking and that? You mentioned alcohol, of course, dehydrates and, and, and is an issue in itself. But, you know, when, when you're in that intense heat, uh, do you eat late evening? You know, is your breakfast important? Mm. What about the middle of the day? How does that work? People tend to have a nap in the middle of the day here. So for me, anyway, I would kind of eat a late breakfast um, and then probably eat late dinner about nine o'clock at night. Like I say, last year, it was a learning curve for me. And this year I'm more like, dare I say, more like the locals do. And we would kind of go out to eat around half eight, nine o'clock at night. And uh, speaking of eating out, Jerry, this will sicken you now. So um, (laughs) friends of mine were out last night in in a local Chinese restaurant and they texted me to say... um, Three-course meal plus drinks, €8.75 per person. Hold on a minute, Joan. Say, say, did you say, did you say eight? Eight. Eight. €8.75 per person, three courses. So there's, you know, it's got its upsides as well, Jerry. Plus, mm. um, 
let's talk about the alcohol for a minute. We got two pints and a double Baileys for eight euro. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, 40 degrees won't bother me. <laughs> See you soon. <laughs> I didn't think so. Best room is there anytime you want. I could, I, I could live with that, Joan Larkin. I really could. Uh, no, it but does it, have its upside. Oh, look at when I tell you, like when you you are out there living as part of a community there, and when you when you say that to us, and I know I've spoken to people who who are regulars on holiday in Spain as well, especially, and they say to me the the uh, the cost of living and the cost of eating out. It's just gone mm. mad here in Ireland, and that that bears it out. What you say there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hear that from home all the time. Yeah, that it's absolutely crazy to eat out. Even for two people, if you went to a restaurant, are they saying uh, you you wouldn't have much change out of 100 euro? Yeah. I mean, when you say that to people out here, they look at you like you're absolutely cracked. Oh, my, oh, my. Another aspect, another real positive. Anyway, Uh, anyway, Joan, look, I'm going to leave it there today. Take care of yourself. Delighted to chat to you again. Great to hear from you. Enjoy it. Take care. And uh, God bless you. Take care, Joan. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's the wonderful Joan Larkin there speaking to us live from not uh, far from Alicante in the south of Spain. It's hot, folks. If you're heading on holidays, do take care, take precautions and be safe. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. We're back in a moment with our comedy. Knock, knock. Who's there? That's how it works. It's called comedy. Comedy. Comedy, comedy. Comedy, sir. Comedy. Classic comedy. Classic comedy. On the late lunch. I love comedy. You gotta listen carefully to the King of One Liners, Stuart Francis. Thank you, thank you very much. Let me just start by saying that it is an absolute pleasure. No, it is an absolute privilege to watch me perform. Um, I don't have any parents uh, that I know of. I don't think that's how it goes. Of course I have parents. People say I sound very immature whenever I talk about my mommy and daddy. Those people are poo-poo heads. With stinky bums. Are my neighbors pleased that I bought a didgeridoo? No. The Seven of Diamonds. Sorry, my mind's playing tricks with me. I recently did a very tasteless joke at an alopecia convention. Fortunately, it didn't raise any eyebrows. Uh, Today, a courier dropped off only part of my grizzly costume. I was so angry, I choked him with my bare hands. My trial for butchering a live chicken resumes Monday. I'll try to keep you abreast. (laughs) Recently in court, I was found guilty of being egotistical. I am appealing. (laughs) Do I enjoy doing courthouse puns? Guilty! (laughs) Today, my uh, yoga instructor was really drunk, which uh, put me in an awkward position. There's some sick people in the world. Someone recently broke into my 97-year-old grandmother's flat and stole her limbo dancing trophy. How low can you get? Seriously. (laughs) I love games, although I hate Scrabble. 
I hate Scrabble so much, I can't put it into words. I just <laughs> hate's a strong word. Hated is stronger, worth more points. <laughs> I love Twister, and although I recently met a beautiful woman while playing Twister, I don't know where I stand with her. <laughs> She was the best Twister player I've ever seen, hands down. Went to the annual procrastinator's Halloween party in August, uh, where my pinata costume was a real hit. Met a beautiful woman. She was dressed like a frisbee. Anyway, she got really drunk and threw herself at me. All these jokes are in my autobiography. I've not been able to sell one copy of my autobiography. Story of my life. And yet, on the bestseller list, the book I wrote about poo puns has just gone number two. <laughs> poo puns, I do do them. <laughs> I do do other puns. I will be doing puns about Canadian wildlife. Bear with me. I don't do puns about lions. I pride myself on that. You're hoping that I don't do puns about people with crooked teeth? Brace yourself. You're waiting for me to do a pun about Peter Crouch wearing armor. You're in for a long night. <laughs> Even though it was 21 years ago that my father choked to death on sushi, it's still pretty raw. <laughs> Isn't he something else? <laughs> Stuart Francis there, the king of one-liners. As you said, Louise, great in a, a segment of, of a show. You couldn't listen to that for the night, could you? No, you no. couldn't. No, you couldn't. He's a very sharp man. You do man, have a pun about <laughs> crows and murder in it. <laughs> you would be. Do you know what to say to you with the rain going on today? There are very few people out and about, and you'd be soaked. You know this yourself, even running from the car to the front door here. It really is torrential. I, I saw a woman walking along today. Do you know what she had to keep the rain off her? Newspaper. See the supermarket plastic bag on her head. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. She's been soaked to the you know what, and she has She's a plastic. protecting her head. <laughs> That's the only thing. <laughs> and I thought to myself, good woman, but you'd just be really saturated. You know the things do, and and you're right. Some people, you know, the newspaper thing. That was a thing mm. years ago. Put the newspaper on your head, and it'll shelter you. A brolly's the best. A brolly. At a least it advice. keeps the whole lot dry, does. more or less. It does. An old brolly is always handy to have stuck in your car boot, or handy to uh, keep the rain away. But you will need today for sure. Uh, just to mention for the people in Tara Mines, the mine now going into mm. hibernation, and we think of all the people involved over there, and you know what the future will be, and who knows? A lot of families, a lot involved. of people affected as well. Just to mention the people in Tara Mines today, and I know they've agreed. Uh, something all right, but it's not the same, is it, as going to your workplace every day and doing well, your job. It's uncertainty ahead as well. Yeah, it is. It is. And we won't know until later in the year what holds for the mine and the people who work in it. But we think of them today on the show. Now, it is holiday time. It's in full swing at the moment. And leaving work is something that people at times and many people struggle with, it has to be said, especially nowadays, because you see... We are working online and connected, most of us. And really, I'd say a lot of us feel we're never disconnected from work. Well, my next guest is here to talk all about it. She's a career and work psychologist and author of the brilliant Total Reset. We've got to switch off Sinead Brady, but how do we do it? 
I know it's not easy. I'll give you that. Mm. Um, and I think even the best of us, including myself, and I head off on holidays this weekend. You know, you're trying to get all the stuff done, and then you're trying to wind down something really busy in the run up to your holiday. But I suppose something that we don't think about very often is the fact that actually we've been kind of trained not to switch off. Mm. And I'll give you a little kind of insight into why I say that. If you take yourself heading off to school as your four-year-old self, um, you went to school and you did all the work that you needed to do during the work, the school day, and then you come home and you did your homework. So we've been kind of trained and primed through our education system. And this is no fault to our educators um, because our educators are fantastic. But the system itself trains us to actually go to work, work all day and come home and do more work from we are about four years of age in full-time education. So we don't actually learn the skill off. You know, you go, you do your day's work in your place of work or at home or whatever it is, and then you come home to rest, relax and recover. And that's one of the great myths that we have about our workplace and about our careers is that it should be easy to switch off. But actually, we've never been taught the skill of switching off. So this is not something that if you're going on your holidays this weekend, you might find easy to do. This is a skill that you have to learn across the course of time. But don't be angry or frustrated or beat yourself up by the fact that you're not able to do this. This is a process and this is a skill that you can learn. So in the world of work and organisational and career psychology, research in the last 10 to 15 years has given us such great insight into the world of work as we live in it now. And one of the things that it has taught us is that we need these things called psychological bridges or cognitive triggers that help us to understand that we are switching from work to life and life to work. And they are rituals, routines or triggers that help you to tell your brain that it is time to switch off. And, you know, you say that. What are the triggers? What what are they? What can we put in place that makes that happen? So that's a really brilliant question and it's a really important question. So, for example, going on holidays, you know all the practical things to do. So you don't let your people that you work with know that you're heading off, you put an out-of-office on, Mm. um, and and you do all of those kind of practical things to let people know that you're leaving. But you also have to give yourself permission to switch off and say, actually, I'm going on my annual leave. I need to take this time to rest, recover, recuperate and relax. And I'm giving myself permission to switch off. It mightn't be perfect this time, but I'm going to do my best. And I'm going to establish a routine for each morning that I'm on my annual leave that is different from my morning routine when I'm going to work. So that might look like, you know, having the second cup of coffee that you never seem to have time for in the morning or having a hot coffee, sitting down, enjoying it, listening to an audio book that you enjoy, listening to a radio show that you enjoy or listening to a podcast that you enjoy. That kind of shifts your brain into thinking this is actually rest, recovery, relaxation and recuperation time. And you're consciously choosing that and you repeat that activity, that cognitive trigger every day for the duration of your annual leave. Every morning, you do the same thing. And then every afternoon, you have another cognitive trigger or another psychological bridge that just reminds you that this is actually annual leave time. Mm. So something like, say, going for, if you say, or you could even reverse it, the opposite, if you got up, went for a walk or do the walk in the afternoon or do something different that's not associated with work at all. It is breaking that connection, you're saying. 
absolutely. It is breaking that connection. It's a really good way of putting it. So it's breaking the connection between work. And if you do happen to dip into the emails or, you know, get caught up in it, at least you have a way of resetting Mm. when you get to each different stage of the day. You know, you're not kind of saying, well, actually, God, I I made a mistake this morning. I checked into my emails. I have no way of back now. You have a different trigger for each part of the day that helps you to reset your relationship with your time off. And actually be very conscious in how you're doing it. So you're saying, I'm giving myself this permission to take this time off. This is my routine to remind myself. And I'm giving myself permission to rest, recover, relax and recuperate. But do so in the knowledge that when you do actually, you build social connections with important people in your life. You reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease, of, um, and, and your career well-being and your personal well-being actually improve. So every piece of research that we have shows that the legislative statutory right that we have to switch off and to go on our annual leave is there because we need it as humans. We are not programmed to be working 365 days a year. It's just not how it works. We need time off in order to remain well. To recharge for sure. You say, and you've been writing about this, we work to live, we do not live to work. And I was just thinking, you know, some people get this into their their heads. We can't be done without. That's just a shocking thing to to get in on you, isn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. And sadly, um, many people that would have intensified their work patterns um, in in the region specifically that that we're in at the moment, LMFM, like, you know, are on the end of where they may have thought they were irreplaceable, but actually the gates of their business have closed or you yes. have been made redundant mm. from in one of the rounds of tech redundancy over the past year that have been well documented. And, you know, you pour your heart and soul into the work and then suddenly you find that you are actually replaceable. And that's a really, really difficult thing to cope with because your identity is so closely bound up with the work that you do. So really giving yourself these clear boundaries between work and life. Um, And you do have to ask yourself, if you are in an organisation or if you're in in a business where everything is treated as urgent, you have to ask, you know, how is urgent actually defined? And if there is an onus and a responsibility to respond very quickly um, to emails or to correspondence, is that sustainable in the long term? And usually the answer is no. Um, There are very few things that are truly urgent, that are truly life or death, um, that require a response in a very short space of time or can do without your contribution for the course of your annual leave. The business should be able to manage without you. And then when you get back into the business, you're able to pick up. I know sometimes it is where you left off and you've got all these emails to respond to. But be clever about your emails as well. And, you know, if you're copied into an email along with 20 other people, you have to ask yourself, you know, how valuable is your response in that? And could you pick up the phone and have a chat with maybe the lead person in that email and say, you know what, actually, I see I was copied in here. Has this been resolved? I'm just back from annual leave. And there's no need then to get into kind of reading all of the detail as a matter of urgency as soon as you come back. So there's all of these different tips and tricks that you can use, but they are cognitive triggers. They are psychological bridges that help you to build the break between work and life and life and work so that you can be well in your life and in your career. Mm, well said. An interesting point you make too is that evidence, and this uh, is uh, real strong evidence, says that it takes actually up to seven days to switch into the recuperation mode while you're in holiday. So you're probably saying really you're better taking at least two weeks. 
Yeah, and this is the thing. Um, and most people, particularly if you've got a very intense work pattern and um, you are always on or, you know, it, it actually, t- you can often be sick when you get into your holidays. And I'm not sure if listeners kind of connect with that, but it very often happens. And I see it in practice that people actually spend the first couple of days of their holidays either unwell or sick. So actually, you know, research will show that it takes about seven days to enter into this phase whereby you wind down. And then as you get to the days seven to ten, you actually enter in to rest and recuperation mode where you can actually benefit from the previous seven days off and really enjoy the coming days. So, yes, it's um, it's a really difficult one to manage, but the the thing about it is it's about this cognitive trigger. It is about giving yourself permission to switch off. It is about having that conversation with how you build the skill to do it. And then it is asking, you know, is there an opportunity to do that in the organisation that I am currently in? And if you look up and look around and feel that there isn't, you may have to ask yourself, you know, is this the right culture or the right environment for me? Yes, and that is a big question, I'm sure, that many people have often asked themselves and and will indeed in the future. That's a shocking stat as well, isn't it? That 20% of Irish people, one in five, don't take their full leave allocation. Yeah, um, we tend to save our, our annual leave in Ireland where, where, you know, we tend to kind of bank it up and sometimes it can carry over. But actually, where you're doing that because you don't feel like you can take the time off or where work intensification is so great, you know, you are entering into a phase of potential overwhelm um, in a, and lack of career well-being. And what I mean by that is that you're kind of entering into the stage where you're probably feeling exhausted. You're unable to concentrate all of the time. You might notice some, you know, um, physical symptoms. So, for example, that you've got knots in your back or reoccurring headaches or issues with sleep. And you're kind of entering into this path whereby you don't feel that you can switch off, but not alone do you not feel you can switch off, you don't have a sense of entitlement to access your annual leave. And that is not sustainable in the long term. Um, And where I see that in practice, both with individuals and within organisations, it is actually a a warning sign that you are pre-burnout. So it's something that you really do need to, to kind of look at and evaluate um, and look at your sleep patterns and look at some of, you know, are you getting time to eat? Are you taking time to sleep properly? Are you able to spend time with people who make you smile? And have you got the capacity to um, move and exercise in a way that you would like? And they're really the basics of having a good solid foundation for personal and career well-being. You like the mini break too. In other words, say uh, around a bank holiday where you'd take a day to stretch that longer either side of the bank holiday. You say they can be very restorative too. Absolutely. And one of, like I'm the career psychologist on Instagram and my most popular post so far this year was showing how you can actually increase your 20 days annual leave to 40 um, by adding in these extra days at the back end of a bank holiday so um, where you can extend your leave and, and they're absolutely brilliant so really and truly when you're looking at your annual leave for the year and um, whenever your annual leave year starts it's different for different organisations but really sit and look at it and think okay how can I maximise the amount of time that I have off so that I can restore myself in six week blocks so that you get an extra day off or you take a three day weekend every six weeks um, and that doesn't mean, you know, and I think sometimes social media is a bit to blame to 
for us thinking, you know, you need to be on a boat in the Bahamas somewhere in order to be relaxed. But actually, it might be a day where you spend doing the life chores that you need to do or the life admin that you need to do. And it just, it relieves that mental load. Or it might be a day where you don't actually have to rush everywhere. And again, it just gives you this space to, to breathe. And those breaks then make it easier because you practice the cognitive routines and triggers that you need to switch off from work during those breaks, making your annual leave more more, pract- more practical to switch off and engage with because you've practiced the skill across the course of the year. Last question to you. I suppose all that is well and fine, but some people will look around them and see people who don't take the leave, who work 12 hours a day, who never switch off and they fear, well, I'm going to be looked on as less committed and overlooked perhaps for promotion or whatever goes along with commitment in a job. What do you say to that? So I think this is one of the really important things that we need to look at in terms of the work intensification. We call it hustle culture, but what it is, it's work intensification and where it is normalised. So not all organisations or not all businesses expect work intensification in order to gain career success. Yes, there are many that do. And when you look up and look around, if that is the expectation in your organisation, you do have to ask if this is the right organisation for you and if it is possible to have a sustainable career. Now, I'm not suggesting to anybody that they take their P45 and head out the door waving it this evening. But, you know, do ask yourself, you know, do your values align with the culture in this organisation? And very often we blame ourselves. We say, you know, I am the problem here. I need to be fixed. I'm broken. But when you look up and look around, it's actually the system it's the cultural and the structural values within the system whereby there might be policies in the organisation that say you know you've access to this this and this but when you look practically accessing that policy as you say it's almost impossible because more senior people or people around you expect you to work at a very strong rate in order to be successful Now, what's really interesting, and it's a paradox of sorts, is the fact that productivity actually begins to decline once you hit 38 hours per week. So, um, you're, you, uh, and when you hit 52 hours, I just don't have all of the the research in front of me Mm. at the moment, but it's in and around 52 hours, your productivity declines to the point where you may not, you may as well not be doing any more work. There you go. That's so interesting. It really is. And you have been very interesting, may I say, Sinead. Where can people check you out further? Oh, so they can find me on um, Instagram uh, as The Career Psychologist. My website is A Career to Love. And you can buy my book called Total Reset, um, which has just been published. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. No, listen, it's great to talk to you. I really, I really, I really enjoyed our chat today and I wish you well. Thanks for joining me, Sinead. Take care. Bye. Take now. care. Bye bye. That's Sinead Brady there, author of Total Reset Career and work psychologist with some very interesting points indeed.
Vanessa Carlton on your late lunch on LMFM Radio. 21 years ago, would you believe, 2002, a top 10 hit in the UK and USA for Vanessa. Joan Larkin was telling us top of the show the situation in southern Spain with the temperatures not to be outdone. We're heading to Italy now and a local man who's living there years. He's a great listener to LMFM Radio. We've spoken to him in the past and he's on the line with me. Tommy O'Rourke, afternoon. Hello, good afternoon, Jerry. How are you keeping? I'm keeping well and great to talk to you this day. Just tell, remind our listeners again, where exactly are you in Italy? I'm in a small village called Capranica, which is 56 kilometres north of Rome. OK, and with you, is it hot, hot? Oh, it's very hot. At the moment, it's um, 35 degrees in the car. Oh, and that's what it's shown in the car there as the outside temperature. That's a big, big temperature. And has it been like this consistently, Tommy, for a, a while now? Oh, it has, yeah, very consistent. It, but um, for two months there, Jerry, we, we, we had very bad rain, thunderstorms. And then all of a sudden, about um, three weeks ago, it just changed completely. Yeah. And uh, the hot weather just came in and hit us for six. Well, you know what happened, Tommy? Bad scrams to you. We had the good weather here when you were in the, <laughs> in the dogs with the rain and thunderstorms, and now you've sent that our way, and you are enjoying the heat. Oh, yes, enjoying it immensely. Although it's very, it is very hard, um, Jerry. It, it can be, have to be very careful, drink plenty of water. Like your, like your previous... Um, um, yes, yes, from Spain, that's living in Spain. It's exactly the same routine. You, you look after, you watch what the locals do. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and they're you wise. Know? They are wise people because they're not out when that sun is frying people from midday to no. late afternoon. Everywhere, they take the siesta, do the shops close and everywhere, everywhere goes quiet. In most cases, yes, no. Years ago, it used to be that um, the shops would close from one o'clock to four o'clock, but some of the big ones don't close anymore. Right. And uh, but the, the smaller supermarkets and that still close from one o'clock to four o'clock. On in the summer and in the winter, it's one to half more. Okay, and then of course they open evening and work a, a little later into the night and that to accommodate people going about their business. But look at you, you couldn't exactly. fo- you couldn't, Tommy. You, how many years are you there now? Who, the family? Yes. Oh, there's myself, my wife, my oldest daughter, Emma, and my son, Christopher, and my granddaughter, Aoife. So you're all there. How many years are you there? 22 years. So listen, you're there, and you're, you're a local, Tommy. Can I say you're a local Italian at this stage? Oh. Well, the locals say that too. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <At this stage. laughs> Good. Well, that's great. You're being accepted. And well, you should be after 22 years. But even after 22 years, have you noticed a difference that the summers are much hotter now than when you arrived in Italy first? Jerry, when I was telling you about that uh, bad weather for two months, that was the worst ever at that time of the year in the 22 years we've been here. Okay. And, and this weather now, it's, it's getting very, very hot. Like in, two days ago in Rome, it was in parts of Rome, it was telling us it was 46 degrees. Oh, mother of God. You couldn't you couldn't yeah. do anything in those conditions. But what you're saying is no. that spell of awful weather you had is totally out of the blue in 22 years and the temperatures seem to climb hotter, yes, each summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there is exactly. there is a, an impact. That there there is a change. Like there is little you could do when you're talking about forty odd degrees. All you can do is like the old dog lie down and sl- and sleep. 
Well, last week, believe it or not, I went for siesta for the first time since we've been here nearly every day. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Tommy. <laughs> Good on you. Well, at least, uh, and I know you're tuned in to us here. We know that you're great listeners, and you're yeah. always in touch, and it keeps you keeps you in touch. Yeah, with home as well. We we really do uh, appreciate that. So you do what the locals do in Italy as well. You follow their routine, and and that's the way it works. Um, the cuisine over there. Have you adapted the Italian palate as well? The oh. pasta and all that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I had a taste of it before I ever left Ireland, but definitely we have adopted the, the cuisines here very easily. Like, you know, oh, it's yeah. lovely here and it, it's very reasonable. So it is. Yeah, well, that's a point Joan made to me earlier on. She was just telling yeah. me the price of a couple who were over there visiting and they ate out the other night, and my God, it was €8 Euro something for the works. And, yeah. and, and, and it's the same there, good value in food, shopping and eating out. Yes, it's good value. Well, the shopping, like everything else, has gone up. You can see the difference. Yes. In in uh, the shopping baskets now, I suppose it would be up in anything from about ten euro, maybe a um, a good hard shopping day. You know, mm. so mm. it's um, it is up the best everywhere, like you know. But yeah. But the the thing about here is, just the, the wine's not very expensive. Mm. Wine's very very reasonable. Yeah. You get a bottle of wine here for a euro. Oh mother. And of God. it wouldn't. It wouldn't be plunk. Yes. It would be a decent bottle of wine. Yeah. You know, oh, well, we are hit. Me the tax bill either. Yeah, we, we, we are hit with a lot of taxes here when it comes into yeah. this country, but it just shows you uh, the value. And of course, if it was that money over here, there'd be an extra tax on it because they'd be saying you shouldn't be buying it at that money. It's bad for you. You know what I'm saying? That's, oh, yes, that's, yes. that's what we'd hear you, too. You want, a couple of years ago, you were doing an article about um, eating meat and that, and you were asking me that I like steak. Hmm. And I do, you can actually still get a T bone steak here. And good value too, really good value. You know, yeah, you get a, yeah, yeah. a good size steak now for 15 euro. My word. Yeah, and, and yeah. the T-bone is a very popular cut here as well, the the, the flavour on yeah. that with it. Um, what was it to say? I was over in Rome myself there in, uh, just the week before Easter this year. We had a lovely five days over there. Beautiful. We love the city of Rome. It's a gorgeous car. And the temperatures were nice, actually. They were just in the low nice. 20s. You know what I mean? So well well yeah. negotiable for the likes of us going over, over there. But it's a fantastic place. I love the country to bits, Tommy. I'm not surprised you moved out there. I have green eye. I'm jealous. Well, yeah, I tell you, it is great. Now, when the heat is very, very bad, we can move for the sun. Mm. That was the main reason for moving here. Yeah. We wanted a bit of sun in, in, our, in our aging life just to be able to relax and enjoy it. Yes. But um, it's, uh, it's great, it really is. We just have to take our time. We found the heat now very, very, very bad now the last week. It really was bad. But again, take plenty of water and just sit down and relax. Mm. Take it easy. And do nothing between 12 o'clock and 4 o'clock. That's the message. That really is the yeah. message all over, be it Spain, yeah. Italy, Greece or anywhere else. Well, listen, you're great to take our call today. Keep on listening. You're Lovely welcome. to talk to you. And best wishes to everybody out there. Thank you very much, Jerry. I love the show. I really do. It's brilliant. Thank you, Tommy. The I appreciate best. your words. Take yeah, care of yourself. Right. All the, best, All the best, Tommy. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Tommy O'Rourke there, Dundalk man, living in Italy, just north of Rome for 22 years. And again, emphasising the uh, issues with heat if you're travelling to that neck of the woods for a break. Louise, fr- from your point of view, those high temperatures, you know, uh, an average Irish day is what? You know what I mean? F- 14, 15 degrees. 
would you find it difficult to function in, in, in that, that type of heat? I'm always cold, so you that's think why I, I'd be amazing. That's why there. I ask you, because she always <laughs> is. You know that, listeners, anyway. Louise will be in there in summer with, with, with a, a cardigan on her. I brought fleece pyjamas to, <laughs> to France one year. Oh, no. But... I don't. I don't think I'd be able for that heat. Ferocious, isn't it? Mm. It is ferocious. It is at those temperatures. There, very. You couldn't breathe. Mm. Very stifling. It would be. And uh, no, look, we love the sun on our backs and we love it for sure. And we could do it today and over the next coming days oh. here in this country, uh, absolutely. But uh, it is uh, a situation that has to be. Isn't it funny? If it's too cold, if it's too warm. Just to get it right, you know mm, what I mean. The extremes, it's, yeah, the extremes are difficult. That 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 is for sure. Anyway, extremes. One extreme this year in Ireland is our women's football team qualified for the World Cup. In case you didn't know, it's in Australia. They're out there preparing for the moment. And if you were listening to our sports news, you'll hear that a a, a friendly match they had today. They had to abandon it. The weather was so bad in Australia. It's winter time, remember, out there for the World Cup at the minute. Anyway, they went into a training session and there is an injury to an Irish player they're concerned about. Anyway, the World Cup begins next Thursday. And who's playing the opening match? Ireland against the hosts. Yes, they're up against Australia in the first game. And a young lady called Katie Milady, who's written a song about the team and the qualification for the World Cup, is heading out there and she's joining us next. We spoke to Katie Milady a few weeks ago and we talked all about our song Tala to Australia, written for the Irish women's soccer international team who've qualified for the World Cup in Australia. And Katie is heading to Oz and she's on the line with me before she goes. Hello, Katie. Well, how are things? It's really good, I have to say, today, despite the weather, chatting to you and looking ahead to the World Cup. When are you <laughs> heading out there? So we're heading on Sunday. OK, and how many are going in your group? There's four of us all together. Lovely. So what's the plan? Where, take us through the flights. Where are you going from to and when do you get to Australia? So we're flying from Dublin to Dubai first. And this is on Sunday, so we're flying out at two o'clock. And then we're uh, arriving in Dubai, and then we have an hour and a half stopover, and then we're going from Dubai to Sydney. So we're not actually due into Sydney until 10 o'clock on Monday night. There you go. So it's a a fair old trip and uh, quite a long flying time as well. I'd say those flights you're on will be busy with people heading out to the tournament. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully there'll be a bit of fun um, on the plane and that uh, going over with other people that's heading to the World Cup. Can you bring a guitar on a plane and play it during the flight? I I wouldn't say so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in trouble now with the airlines, even for mentioning that, even suggesting, no, you couldn't. I'm sure I could just bounce out and just sing on on my own. (laughs) Are you bringing the guitar with you? No, I'm not. I'm going to, I'll uh, buy a guitar over there to keep myself going for the time being. I'm after getting gigs in Australia, so... Great! So there you go, you're going to buy one in the Southern Hemisphere. So, right, you're flying, you're going to arrive on the Monday. How long are you staying out there for? So we're out there for a total of six weeks altogether. Oh, be the God, beyond the World Cup, sure, it's half a lifetime you're going to be out there for, so yeah. Have you got tickets for each of the games? Yeah, we do. We have tickets for all the group games. We have the tickets for the round of the 32... Round of 16, we have a quarter-final, a semi-final, and we're still waiting for to try and source tickets for the final. 
Well, mother of the Lord God, you are organised, young woman. Tickets for everything bar the final. Oh, my money's on you. You'll get tickets for the final, that's for sure. Anyway, next Thursday, Ireland play Australia. And this is a huge game, you know, to be playing the hosts in the opening game. I'm just seeing here, it's at 11 o'clock. Is that... Australian time 11 o'clock or? No it's 11 o'clock here in Ireland and it's 8 o'clock in the evening in Sydney Okay so it's 8pm and it'll be uh, 11 a.m. here in Ireland yeah, Thanks for right. clarifying that for me So you're going to that game Can I make a date with you that after the game on late lunch will you stay up for me to have a quick word after the game Absolutely absolutely <laughs> Fantastic Well listen we will touch base with you because we'll be watching the game here and then we'll come on air We'll bring you on soon enough You know 11 o'clock start it'll be over then what about half 12 early on in the show on Thursday next is that okay we'll That's give you a tinkle and you'll be on this number as well that'll be working out in Australia for us great stuff oh well, listen you are late lunch on LMFM's World Cup correspondent Katie Milady. alright <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. But look, it will be great to have you there and you'll be able to describe the atmosphere and everything that happens. Please, God, we'll get the result. What do you think? As I know you're a fan and you know these girls and the team. What do you think? Well, Australia, it's a big ask, isn't it, the first game? Yeah, but I still think there's an, everyone is underestimating the Irish women and I definitely wouldn't rule them out for loving our money anyways, I think they're going to do far better than everybody else expects. Um, They're as good as they played Australia before and we bet Australia. I know it's a while ago now and there's more players coming up through the team but I definitely wouldn't rule it out. There's going to be Australian fans in the stadium but there's also a lot of Irish going out and a lot of Irish living in Australia so they'll have they'll have all the fans behind them Oh they will indeed and I agree with you this team have you know to get to the World Cup what an achievement number one and you know with Vera Powell at the helm she's a great manager and she knows what's what when it comes to this game but let's hope we get that result then it's on to Canada on the 26th are these games are they based are they all in the one stadium? No, so we have to get another flight from Sydney to Perth right. for the second group game. That's a five-hour flight. Right. And then we're going to that game in Perth. That's on the 26th. Yes. And then we're flying from Perth then down to Brisbane uh, for the other game. That's a four-and-a-half-hour flight. Oh, my <laughs> So we're God. scattered all across Australia. <laughs> <laughs> That's Nigeria in the final game then. It certainly yeah. is. Have you, you have plenty of air miles after this. Absolutely. <laughs> the <laughs> furthest I flew before now is uh, three hours, so we'll see how well I hold up. <laughs> well, this is a real experience for you, young woman, and your friends as well. It really is, and it's a, it's a life experience. You know, it's a wonderful thing to do, to be out there for the six weeks, for the tournament, uh, and enjoy it. God Almighty, I'm just thinking here, you, will you come back after the six weeks? Ah, well, I suppose we will have to come back. We might need to pack another bag and go back over, but we'll have to come back. <laughs> you will at that stage, but what what an experience it is going to be. So we all settled, we're here, what, we're Friday, you're going Sunday. Are you packed? Are you an organised woman? Have you everything in order? Um, I have I have bits in order. The girls are far more organised than me. I'm actually... I have my last gig tonight before we head off. There you go. So I'm focusing on the music and then tomorrow I'll focus on the suitcase and all that. 
<laughs> Listen, you, you once you have the passport and everything else that goes along with the official stuff, uh, well, uh, you can look after yourself no matter where you are in the world. Throw in what you think you need and uh, away you go. Um, Absolutely. The, 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 the song has been going well for you? Yeah, I'm actually getting an awful lot more taxes about the song. There's been there's been a lot of people texting me, praising me about the song, and merchandise is up now as well um, to buy on the Facebook, my Facebook page and my Instagram. So um, we're just trying to circulate as much um, as much publicity for the song as we can, really, and just get everyone behind the girls in green. Absolutely, tell it to Australia. Check it out on all your. Uh play platforms it's there you can access it and support our own Katie Milady listen you're very good to join me today I'm looking forward to talking to you next Thursday and hopefully with an Irish victory absolutely (laughs) fingers crossed safe journey to you and your friends talk to you next week good luck to you Take care of yourself, Katie. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That's Katie Milady there uh, talking to us on Late Lunch this afternoon ahead of our trip to Australia. Yes, heading towards top of the hour, three o'clock, news, weather and sport on the way in the company of Mr Bill Withers. And yes, they'll be leaning on us, the Irish women in Australia, for our support and we'll be there all the way right behind them. Late Lunch LMFM Radio, lean on me. Let's reprise our TV theme. The office, it is indeed. Thanks to everybody who was in touch by WhatsApp or text. Ricky Gervais, what a series. Absolutely brilliant. Groundbreaking at the time, I have to say. Mark Kerr, you're the winner today in Yellow Furs. Thank you very much for getting in touch with us and we'll pop you my little gift in the post this very evening. Now, top five countdown. Time for this. Five, four, three, two... Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number one from this week in the year of our Lord, 1985. And I simply love this song, I have to say. It's by American vocal group Sister Sledge and was released as a single in 85 from their eighth studio album called When the Boys Meet the the girls. It was written by Denise Rich under a pseudonym Joy Denny after dreaming, she said, on a flight from the United States to Switzerland. And according to uh, those in the know, the song is actually about Mr. Frank Sinatra. Yes, it was produced by the brilliant Nile Rogers of Chic, who didn't like the song initially and told them to go away. But over the weekend, he was humming it. You know, one of those songs that gets into your head and he went back to them and said, Girls, we got to do this. And boy, was it worth doing because it became the fifth best selling single of 1985 in the UK with 700,000 in sales. And it spent four weeks at number one in June and July of 85. Yes, it's Sister Sledge and Frankie. Brilliant. Frankie. 
Oh yes, absolutely fabulous. Sister Sledge, our number one in top five countdown from this week in 1985. Louise Walsh knows every word and move of that song. Tell them why. I do. Should have been on top of the pops yes. at the time, really. Yeah. I think I was about probably about eight or nine at the time and my cousins lived next door and myself and Debbie and Fiona were outside on the front garden practicing every move every word because their aunt was coming in from America and we were going to perform the song in front of her <laughs> and did you oh we did yeah we were, we were, we were great I'm you. she went back to the states with that fond memory mm. of the children singing Frankie by Sister Sledge there you go if there was Ireland's Got Talent back then we would have been on it oh listen you would have won oh, it exactly won it <laughs> never mind be on it <laughs> Lovely little addition there to our top five number one. Final break of the week. David Sheehan's here with the sport next. Soccer, Gaelic games, rugby and tennis in nine minutes. Can we do it? Yes, we can, David Sheehan. Welcome back to the show. Good to talk to you, Jerry. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while. Is Right, let's begin this evening with soccer. Huge game for Drogheda. I take it with all the rain, uh, the game is safe enough being summertime. But anyway, UCD, Drogheda, the Belfield Bowl. You expected to go ahead? At the moment, I've been I've been in touch with a few people in Drogheda and they, they lead me to believe that if the rain, it's eased off here right at the minute up in Dublin, but yeah. it was awful earlier on as it was down there. They expect it to go ahead at the minute. That pitch in UCD, as you know, it's called the Belfield Bowl or the UCD Bowl for a reason. It's mm. down in a little bit of a hollow and it's never the greatest pitch in the world, even with a little bit of rain. So um, hopefully it'll go ahead as things stand at the minute. It will. So look, let's hope that it does. And it's a big one for Drogheda against UCD who are rock bottom and, and look at let's be honest they're going to go down to the first division UCD but for Drogheda with Cork not playing until tomorrow night they have an opportunity to open up a five point gap against Cork City who are playing Sligo at the showgrounds tomorrow evening uh, UCD are the only team that Drogheda have beaten twice this season so 100% record against them and you know they've Kyle Robinson in from uh, Shelburne who came in uh, during the week uh, striker signed to replace hopefully to, to, to do as well as Freddie Draper he'll be doing well if he does that well but he's come in so it's a big one for Drogheda in so far as they would expect to win it and they've as I say two wins out of two against UCD who are beaten well last week as well hammered last week so it's one that Drogheda should be winning let's hope it goes ahead it'll be difficult regardless of whether if it goes ahead the pitch is going to be pretty sticky and it won't be a, a classic by any means but if they can dig out a 1-0 win as they did there earlier in the season I think they'll be pretty happy but uh, let's let's keep our fingers crossed that it goes ahead and Drogheda can get the win On to Gaelic Games Meath played down tomorrow in the Talton Cup final 3 o'clock throw in at Croke Park ahead of the All-Ireland semi-final uh, how do you see this one? It's going to be really tight I think, Jerry, I was at the game between the two sides in the group earlier in the campaign where Meade won by two points and down kicked, I think, 17 wides in that game. And that was the story of the, the game afterwards for a lot of people. But a lot of those wides that down kicked, they were forced into bad positions. They were kicking under pressure. So Meade's defensive resilience that day can't be underestimated either. But they got over the line that day by two points. Dahi McGowan, who starts tomorrow, or at least we're led to believe he'll start from the team we saw earlier. He, he kicked two great frees late on in that game, which gave me a bit of breathing space. But... It has all the hallmarks of being a really tight game, Jerry. And this Talton Cup, when Meade went into it, probably a lot of their supporters weren't too enthused about it. I was a little bit concerned that some players after that defeat to Offaly would maybe go off to Australia or to America. But everybody has put their shoulder to the wheel. They've all given it their best. And, you know, this is a huge game for Meade because we saw what West Meade did in the uh, Sam Maguire this year, having won the Talton Cup last year. They were beaten narrowly by Armagh by a point. They drew with Tyrone, were a hair's breadth away from squeaking through. So... You know, for me to get that that carrot of getting to the Sam Maguire next year by winning this game 
And just to give that team that Colin Moore has put together a, a massive boost, I think Colin was saying there's 13 new players in there. It's a very young team. The experience of winning, I was drawing some parallels between the Centenary Cup win in 1984 and this game on Saturday on, on the LMFM website earlier in the week. Okay, no one's expecting me to go on and win a raft of All-Irelands like they did in the late 80s. But to give the players, the young players, that confidence of getting a bit of silverware in Crow Park cannot be underestimated and it's going to be a really tight game. I'm going to give me the, the slight nod to, to get over the line. They've got Ronan Jones back in midfield starting. He's been in and out with injury. He's a massive player for me at the moment. So, me to win, it's going to be very tight, but I'm going to give the Royals the, the, the vote of confidence on that one. Do you give the Mead ladies the vote against Kerry in the All-Ireland quarterfinal 7.30 on Saturday? It's very hard to at the moment, Jerry. I mean, you know, it's a repeat of last year's uh, All-Ireland final, which Mead, of course, won. Mead went down to Kerry in the league and were beaten 118 to 9 points. We know they had a, a poor enough league. We know that David Nelson was kind of ousted, essentially, or was gone, whatever way you want to put it. In the meantime, Jenny Reisman has come in. They're just not quite clicking, firing in all cylinders for whatever reason this year. They were beaten by Donegal the last day, and that's why they have this away quarter final against Kerry, who are going well at the moment, the league champions this year. So, look, on form, you'd have to fancy Kerry. But look at Kerry, that, that Mead team doesn't come, become a bad team overnight. We know they've missed a few key players. Emma Troy has gone, one or two other people have gone away as well. A few players that have been there just aren't playing with the form and the, the kind of panache and bizarre that they've had over the last few years for whatever reason, maybe just a little bit of fatigue, physical or mental. So you'd have to make Kerry favourites, but Mead still have an awful lot of quality and you know there might be a, there might be a kick left in that team yet, so don't rule them out. Uh, the All-Ireland semi-finals, one on Saturday after the Mead game, Dublin-Monaghan, and then on Sunday it's Kerry-Derry. Surely it's a Dublin-Kerry final, David? Yeah, you'd have to say uh, of the two games, I suppose you'd fancy Derry and Kerry to be closer. I, I, the, the Dublin Monaghan game, like Monaghan will come. You can say a couple of things with Monaghan. They'll they'll be there'll be plenty of fitness on show. They won't lack for that. They won't lack for effort. They won't lack for organisation. And they will have Vinnie Corey will have a plan, and that group of players will have a plan, and they will make life difficult for Dublin. But however difficult they make it, I just don't see them having the firepower at the other end to to cause Dublin enough problems. And I think. Best case scenario for Monaghan, Dublin will wear them, wear them down over over the 70 minutes. But I, I think Dublin win, will win that one. I hope it's tight. I hope it's competitive. But I would be a little bit worried that Dublin might might pull away in that one early on. But certainly Dublin to win, I think. And then Kerry Derry on Sunday. Derry again, they will have a, certainly have a plan for, for Kerry and they'll make life difficult for them. But Kerry, I think, are just starting to click into gear. We saw it the last day against Throne. Very impressive. And yeah, look in short, I think Kerry Dublin final, which look is let's be honest, Terry, is probably what most neutrals want. So I think I think Kerry and Dublin will get the job done this weekend. Okay, let's move on to this evening. Uh, back to this evening again and rugby union Ireland in the under twenty World Cup final in South Africa. Six o'clock it begins against France. This would be a shot in the arm for us, wouldn't it, to win this competition? A big shot in the arm. Yeah, it'd be huge. And I mean, you know, they beat they beat France in the Six Nations earlier in the year, albeit just by two points. It was a tight enough game. But you look at the results in this competition so far, and the closest that any team has got to France has been 21 points. They beat England by 21 points, and they beat New Zealand by 21 points in the pool. So that England win was in the semi-final. So 21 points is the closest anyone's got to France. And if you wanted to draw a line through England, France beat them 52-31. Ireland drew with England 34 each in the pool. So... If on a line through England, you'd have to say there's only going to be one winner here. But that's obviously a little bit simplistic. We know sport doesn't work like that. But yeah, look, it's going to be it's going to be a huge one. Ireland had a great win over South Africa, who were the hosts in the semi-final, beat them really comfortably, 31-12. So yeah, you know France are, are really going well at the minute. But Ireland did have that win over them in the Six Nations. So let's hope they can repeat it. I think they're going to be up against it. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how that one goes. And uh, 
let's hope Ireland get the job done but I think they're going to be up against it in that one particularly when you look at the likes of uh, Tuolagi who I think is a nephew Pasolo Tuolagi I think is a nephew of the Tuolagi's playing in the UK mm. 150, 150 kilograms Jerry that's 23 stone and 6 foot 5 so if he gets the bo- if he gets the ball under his arm he's going to take a bit of stopping you and me together wouldn't make that just quickly before we finish 30 seconds the tennis Ons Jabor against uh, Vondrusova from the Czech Republic and the ladies who will win it? Yeah, I think Anjabur lost last year's final. Yeah. Um, Vondrasova, the, the first unseeded player to make it through to the final. So I think Anjabur to win that one and get her first. Djokovic, two sets up against Yannick Sinner at the moment. Going to Rote there. You take it, Djokovic, he'll go through. Uh, and will he be playing the world number one, Carlos Alcaraz? He plays uh, Menvedev in a little while. Uh, an Alcaraz-Djokovic final would be the dream ticket. Yeah, Alcaraz and Medvedev, the last two winners of the US Open, so plenty of form there, first seed versus third. Alcaraz, yeah, you give him the, the, the vote to go through. It looks like Djokovic is home and hose going for his fifth in a row. Mm. So yeah, Alcaraz-Djokovic final on Sunday. And who to win it? Djokovic. I thought you'd say that. Anyway, uh, he's something else. You, you couldn't like him, but he's a wonderful player. I say that it's, he's sort of yin and yang, but you have to respect he's brilliant. He really, really is. David, until next week. Thanks a million. Thanks, Jerry. Take care of yourself. David Sheehan there, bringing you the UCD Drogheda game from the Belfield Bowl this evening here on LMFM.ie. Thanks to your listeners who join us every day, to our guests, and to Louise Walsh. I couldn't do this without her. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with the Drive on LMFM Radio. Have a nice weekend. Keep the brolly handy. And we'll see you for a brand new week of Late Lunch, Monday at 1.30. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.